Tonight we are in week 9, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. So go ahead and make sure you open up your workbooks to there if you have not done so already. Uh, last call, does anybody need a handout sheet for tonight to follow along with that didn't receive one yet? Good? Okay. Perfect. All right, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then uh, we'll read the passage and jump into it and look through it here for the next 20 minutes or so. <clears throat> Father, thank you for uh, the gift that has been uh, these last few months to uh, look at these uh, meaningful encounters that Jesus had with uh, such a vast range of people who are in different uh, seasons of life, uh, many of them in seasons of great suffering, uh, many of them wandering, seeking questions and answers, uh, and we're thankful that over the last several months you have been revealing uh, the compassionate, loving heart of Jesus to our students. And so tonight we ask that you would do so one more time as we come to uh, an extraordinary passage, one that uh, has much meaning for us and one that I know speaks to uh, where many of our students are at. So. Uh, we pray for your wisdom and your understanding as we seek to unpack it together uh, this evening and ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to read uh, tonight from uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. So hopefully you're open to that here uh, in your guides, or if you don't have those and you just want to follow along on your phone or your Bible, whatever you brought tonight, that's fine as well. Uh, let's stand as we uh, read that together uh, from Luke chapter Luke writes this, he says, One of the Pharisees asked him, that's Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and has wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, 
loves Lydda. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. You can go ahead and have a seat. Hopefully you guys had a chance to, to really look at this passage over uh, the past uh, couple of weeks here. This is, a, this is a marvelous passage. This is one of my favorite encounters in all of, uh, all of the New Testament, especially in Luke's gospel here. And It's a fairly straightforward passage. There's really uh, three primary players in this. You've got uh, a Pharisee by the name of Simon. You have uh, this woman who is labeled. Uh, she doesn't have a name, but we just know that she is labeled, right? She has a label that's attached to her, and that is that she is a sinful woman. And of course, as in all these encounters, we have Jesus himself. And so we have a very obvious situation that's unfolding. We see Jesus and his response to to this woman and to to Simon, two very revealing uh, responses to each of them, both in very different ways. And we see this woman really walking away from the situation changed forever. And so hopefully as you took time to observe this passage and to think about it, again, we've been encouraging you throughout uh, this series to really think about uh, what are the main points of these things. In particular, what is this passage teaching me about Jesus, right? And so there's a lot of different things that we can walk away from. But I think as I look at this passage and look at the, the main point, we think about what this encounter teaches me about Jesus, I think there's two different ways that we could look at that here. So I don't know what you came up with in your time of study and reflection this week, but there were two different ways that I kind of saw this passage come together as it relates to Jesus. Number one, this encounter teaches me that Jesus is gracious to forgive those whom we are often quick to judge. You see that very, very clearly in this passage. That Jesus is quick and gracious to forgive those who we, in our own pride, are often the ones who are first to judge. Or perhaps another way that you can look at this passage is that this passage teaches me that Jesus is able to distinguish between true faith and empty religion. The reality is this, this story is really a contrast. It's, it's really an encounter, not just between Jesus and the simple woman, but Jesus and Simon as well. Kind of a unique story in that sense because we really see two people responding to Jesus in different ways. And we're going to really unpack that here in a few moments and really compare and contrast those because uh, the reality is for a lot of us in this room, you probably fall into one of those two camps represented by one of those two Individuals. So let's look back through the story and then we'll maybe draw some, uh, some observations and some applications at the end. But let's, let's look at this story from the very beginning here. In verse 36, we see that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And Jesus obliges here. Now, a Pharisee, again in this culture, is who? What is, what is a Pharisee in this culture? It's a big fancy word, but what is a Pharisee? This is the interactive part. So yeah, throw it out there. What is a Pharisee? A what? A religious 
He's a religious leader, right? He's a well-respected individual. He has high status. He is a, 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 a very educated man. He's a learner. He's a teacher. Uh, he's very spiritual, right? Uh, and has some prestige to him. And seems like the fact that he is known here, the, the fact that he's given a name, uh, there's probably some level of prominence to this particular Pharisee. And he invites Jesus into his home to dine with him, which in the Jewish culture, to uh, have a meal with somebody, to share a meal with somebody, and in particular, to have them into your home, uh, to host them, uh, that's a very big sign of, of fellowship and of, of, of embracing of somebody. Uh, but what we do learn throughout the, the New Testament often with the Pharisees is that uh, many of the times that Jesus was uh, approached by them or invited into something, so often it was usually for the purpose of trapping Jesus to try to uh, get him to say something controversial and to uh, find a way to undercut his ministry. Or uh, a lot of times there was a prestige that came with uh, Jesus, that they wanted some type of uh, status and association with this guy who was uh, stirring up the masses here. Now, we don't know the motive for it here necessarily with Simon, but it seems like the fact that it doesn't say he's trying to trip him up uh, maybe seems to indicate that uh, he wants to engage in some type of uh, common religious status symbol meal here, right? And so Jesus uh, does oblige because Jesus has a much bigger purpose here, and it's much bigger than just Simon. And so he goes, he reclines at table with him, and uh, in this culture, again, the tables were not, don't think about like our dining room tables that we sit out now, and we have nice big chairs that we sit in. Uh, these are tables that would have been low to the ground in that culture. You're not uh, even necessarily sitting with your feet underneath of them. Uh, when it says that he reclined at table, and the fact that later this woman is wiping uh, Jesus' feet, you're like, this is really weird. Why is she underneath the table? It's No, it's because in that culture, you would recline at the table. You would like lean uh, on the ground. I would illustrate it for you, but it feels really weird to do that right now. But uh, just put a picture on the screen for you. But it's this idea of you're kind of like laying and eating, uh, kind of laying on one arm while you eat with the other, and you're around this kind of low table together with people. And so he's there, but during this time, it says, Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, notice that we're introduced to our, our third character here. So we've already met Jesus. We've met uh, Simon the Pharisee here. But now we are met with our, our third character, our third player in this story. And she is just simply identified as a woman. But notice that it says that she is a woman of the city, uh, which means that somehow she was known. And what was known about her was that she was a what? A sinner. I'm not naive. <laughs> I, 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 I've been in high school. I've been in middle school. I know the reality that there are reputations. Right? People have labels to them. They're identified by certain reputations that you have. And here already in the first two verses of this story, we see two very different reputations, two very different status symbols at play. We have a prominent religious church boy, and we have 
the outcast. We have the sinful woman, the person who is engaged in all kinds of things that would be unspeakable. You see in the, the study helps at the bottom of the page there that whenever the New Testament refers to somebody as a sinner, particularly a woman as a sinner, um, most likely that means that she was engaged in some form of uh, sexual exploitation or prostitution. Uh, this is, this is the, the unspeakables, right? This is uh, a person who would be the outcast. So we know what it is to have labels even in our culture. And that would have been the label for her. She was a sinner. Don't associate with people like that. And yet notice in this story here, she learns of Jesus' meal here with Simon. And she goes and she takes with her this fancy flask of of, of ointment. So think about a really uh, nice jar of perfume. We're not just talking about anything you just pick up at Macy's these days. We're not talking about your really fancy Axe body spray here, right? This is like, this is the nicest of the nicest stuff, right? Your Axe body spray smells good. I know, right? So, and what does she do with it? It says that she comes into the home. I can't even imagine what this would have been like for her to enter into this place, but she is behind him as he's reclining, eating this meal In verse 38, it says that she's weeping. She is so overcome with who she is, who who she has become in her life, and now she is in the presence of the one who she knows has the ability to forgive her sins. And what does she begin to do? Wet his feet with her tears. Wipe them with the hair of her head. Kiss his feet and anoint them with this perfume. You may think to yourself, this is a really weird scene. I, 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 this is gross, right? Like, I don't understand what's happening here. I just know that if this were to happen at my dining room table, this would be really gross and really weird. Um, and this would have certainly been shocking still in this culture. Uh, but everybody knew what was going on. Right for, for this woman to do this thing in this culture, the, the, the act of washing and cleansing somebody's feet was an act of, of servitude. In fact, in most households, this would have been done before the meal. We know of Jesus washing his disciples' feet right before the, the Last Supper. And that was the position and the posture of a, of a slave or a servant to be able to wash somebody's feet. And so this woman is taking the lowest of the low positions here to show her relationship to Jesus. And notice that Jesus does not reject it. And the Pharisees, particularly Simon, are outraged by that. In fact, notice what verse 39 says. It says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself. Now what does it mean when he says something to himself? Does that mean that he's talking to himself? What does that usually mean when you say you say something to yourself? Yeah. Yeah, he said, he said he's, think, he's thinking to himself, if this man were a prophet, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this is who is touching him. That she's a sinner. <laughs> I mean... 
there's so much in this, this statement here that is so ironic and so unique, right? Jesus would have known. And the ironic thing is the very next moment, verse 40, Jesus answering said to him. So isn't this interesting? Simon's thinking to himself, man, if Jesus only knew. And then Jesus responds to Simon saying, oh, Simon, I actually know what you're thinking. Oh, I know. I know. And notice how quick Simon was to judge, right? Jesus knew. If he knew the reputation that this lady has, he would not associate with her. Because guess what? The really religious, the really spiritual, they want nothing to do with the lowest. That's what the good church people do, right? These are the outcasts. These are the untouchables. Don't associate with them. They have no business here. (laughs) And Jesus answers them. He knows what's going on in Simon's head. Better than Simon knows what's going on in his own head. And I love it. He says, Simon, I I have something to say to you. I always have thought Simon's response here was just so interesting, right? Say it, teacher. If you got something to say, say it. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. He gives a little illustration, a parable here. A certain money lender had two debtors, right? So think to yourself, a bank uh, that loans out money, right, to somebody for a special project, okay, has two debtors. One of them owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, we don't know in our culture really about this whole denarii business. We don't, we don't operate in denarii, right? We operate in dollars. So let's put this into perspective, right? If you look at the bottom of your page there in the study helps, a denarii was worth about one day's labor. So whatever that looks like in our culture today, if you want to call it the minimum wage or something slightly above that, right? A full day's labor. So if we're talking 500 denarii, we're talking about 500 days of labor, which You know, if you're working five days a week, we're talking about a year and a half to two years worth of wages. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. The other person owed significant money as well, 50 days worth. That's no small amount either, right? We're talking about two to three months worth of labor. That's a lot as well. Both owed a lot of money. In verse 42, in this story, when they could not pay, what did the money lender do? He did something incredibly gracious for both of them. He canceled the debt. You can't pay? No worry. I'm going to cancel it. You don't have to pay me back. There's no interest, no nothing. Don't worry about it. So Jesus ends with this question. Now which of these two debtors will love that moneylender more? Verse 43, Simon answered, (laughs) again, I love, Simon's interesting in this one. He says, I suppose, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debts. I don't think Jesus is one who would go ding, 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 but that's exactly what it does here, right? He says to him, you have judged rightly, which is interesting because earlier we see Simon judging for all the wrong reasons. But here, Jesus says, you judge rightly. You do right. You're absolutely right. Like if somebody owes 500 days worth of labor versus 50 and that person is forgiven, 
Yeah, you better believe the person who owes far more money is going to be far more grateful for what they have been saved from. Think to ourselves, it's, think about somebody who is maybe swimming in a, a public swimming pool and they start to get a cramp in their leg. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. Okay, sounds like a really old person thing to have happen to you, but let's just say it hypothetically happens, right? You start to get a cramp in your leg, right? Thankfully, there's lifeguards on hand. They can jump in, they can save you, right? Very grateful for that. Now, what happens if you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and that happens, right? The odds of somebody jumping in and saving you like that, that type of rescue, both are miraculous, both are very appreciative moments, but one is, we would understand, to be far greater, right? Far more significant. And that's exactly the point that Jesus is drawing out here. And so in verse 44, Jesus turns to the woman and he said to Simon, while he's looking at the woman, do you see this woman? Notice the difference between you and this woman. I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears. She didn't even have water to bring. So what did she do? She made her own water through her own weeping of her own tears so that she could serve me. She went to great lengths to be able to do this, right? Verse 45, you gave me no kiss. In that culture, to, to offer a kiss on cheek or something was a sign of greeting and fellowship, of love. It says you gave me none of that. But then the time that I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil. Again, another sign of, of embracing and of fellowship and of welcoming. But from the time I came in, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. It's not that she's just done it. She's done so at a cost. This is significant wages that she has put in to serving and giving to me. Therefore, summary, verse 47, I tell you, her sins, and I love that Jesus adds this, which are many. He doesn't downplay the fact of her sin. He understands it is significant. He understands that all sin is significant. But comparing her to the, to the larger debtor, right? Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Jesus turns to her and he says in verse 48, your sins are forgiven. He confirms to her exactly what she sought in this moment. People are offended in verse 49. Began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? To them, this is blasphemous. Only God for, can forgive sins, which little did they know that's exactly whose presence they were in. And if that's not enough, he says to the woman, verse 50, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love that last send-off there, this idea of peace. Peace is a word that in, in the scriptures really means that everything is put in its appropriate place. It's in its right order. 
her life has been completely restored. She is at, 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 at relational wholeness with God. In fact, Romans 5.1 tells us that for anybody who is in Christ, there is now no more condemnation. In other words, before coming to faith in Jesus, your life, you are an enemy of God. But when you come to faith, when you embrace the posture of this woman, guess what? You go from being an enemy of God to a family member in God's household. You are at peace with him. You are no longer his enemy. You are on his side. You are at his table. People get sometimes worked up about this idea here of what's going on with this woman, right? Is it that this woman is forgiven because she, she did all these things, right? Uh, is she she's serving Jesus so that she can earn his favor and then Jesus forgives? No, no. We see this woman coming in humility to Jesus, knowing that Jesus is the only one who can forgive her. She is overcome by the weight of her sin, and she recognizes the source of where true forgiveness can be found. And her attitude, her expression to Jesus, is one that shows genuine faith. Shows genuine faith. The reason she is able to respond this way to Jesus is because she knows that when forgiveness is found in Jesus, you love much. That is a natural response that comes from your life when you recognize what you have been saved from. Too many of us in this room, and I, I even recognize this in my life, sometimes do not grapple with the reality of how much we have been saved from. The reason we maybe don't love others and treat others the way that we should is because we have not really truly grasped the reality of what we have been saved from. And in many ways, some of us need to have a reality check as to whether or not that means we actually have even been saved. Because when you recognize that, you take the posture of this woman here and recognize that compared to Jesus, you are a slave, you are a servant, and yet you recognize that Jesus is the only one that you run to in those states. In that position. And in him you can find peace and forgiveness and everlasting joy. And so as I think about this story and I look at these different people. I think about the contrast here between Simon and the sinful woman. I think about the story starting out. You, you have one person who is labeled. Right? They have what we would consider to be a bad reputation. I'm sure you know those people in, their, in your life who have that label of a bad reputation. Things that they've done, things that they are doing, where they come from, what they do, whatever it may be. And on the other side, you have the, uh, the, the, the Pharisee, the, the guy with the honored reputation, the good church kid, right? The, the very opposite reputation, and yet, what we find in this story is that both of them are seeking something from Jesus. Both of them are seeking something from Jesus. But for Simon, it's not the right things, right? For Simon, to, to, to seek Jesus, it's more about status. It's more about what can Jesus do for me? How can I climb the ladder? What is Jesus going to be able to add to my life uh, to make it look better? He's going to be a tack on, but he's not going to be the, the center of it. But notice how that's so different for this woman. She comes to Jesus not seeking status, not seeking fame, not seeking to see how Jesus can help her advance in life. No, she comes to Jesus seeking forgiveness. She comes to Jesus seeking for him to restore her and to submit to him. 
Two very different camps. And you need to ask yourself tonight, student, which of those do I truly identify with? Do I genuinely want Jesus because he is going to offer me forgiveness and hope and everlasting life? Or do I really just want Jesus because he really helps me be able to hang out with friends and and do the Christian thing and, and look better and really play the part? So if that's you, then you're no different than, than Simon in the story. You see the contrast of humility versus pride. You see one who is quick to serve and the other who is quick to judge. Boy, how often we are so quick to judge those that Jesus is quick to offer forgiveness to. And notice They both left with two very different things. The woman, she left with peace. She left with her life whole and restored forever. Simon, we don't know, but all we know in this story for the last several parts of it is that Jesus is just leaving Simon with questions that he has to wrestle with. And questions that maybe you need to wrestle with tonight. Questions like, what does your love say about your relationship with Jesus? How are you sacrificing for Jesus and for others? And what does that say about the nature of your faith? The question of are you quick to judge in the same ways that Simon was quick to judge? And as we've already talked about, the question of do you just want Jesus for selfish reasons? As we close, it's appropriate just for us to think about everything we see about Jesus in the story, right? We see Jesus, who is the one who has the power and the authority to forgive sins. We see Jesus, who knows the human heart, right? When Simon is thinking in his mind and his heart about what's going on in this situation, Jesus knows the heart, and believe it or not, he knows this woman as well. And student, he knows you better than you know yourself. But with that comes the good news, finally. Jesus is compassionate for the lost despite any reputation that you might have. No matter what you have done, what you have said, how you have acted, the trajectory of your life to this point. Jesus does not judge you for that. But he offers you the forgiveness and the hope of eternal life if you come to him with a humble heart in the same way that this woman does. Jesus is quick to offer compassion for those who come to him. So with that, let's pray, and then let's get you guys to your group so you can process this a little bit more together. Father, thank you again for tonight. Thank you for the uh, just marvelous picture of your grace and the reminder, Lord, of uh, what we have been saved from, to put it into perspective. Uh, you were an amazing God, and Christ has just been such an amazing gift to, to be able to process this and to, to see his grace uh, put on display. So, uh, pray for our discussions tonight that you give uh, our students uh, just vulnerability, transparency to really process some of the hard questions that this uh, passage presents. So uh, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for Christ. And thank you for sending him to save broken people like us. Uh, so bless our time now, we would ask in Jesus' name. Amen.